This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Everyone, this is Thunderpud number two, and I'm proud to present the inaugural episode of The Good News with the Reverend Doctor. So I'm going to turn it over now to your host, Agent C. Thank you, and welcome to the good news with the Reverend Doctor. Uh, Reverend Doctor, please introduce yourself. I'm Agent C. Please tell us all about yourself. As previously seen on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. For any new viewers who, who aren't familiar with you or your background. Well, let's see. Um, I'm a Pisces. I like uh, long walks on the beach. <laughs> Candle nice. <laughs> Very nice. Are you single? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Uh, conspiracy and history. Uh, basically, um, y- you name it. it My pet topic, pet yeah. interest. Right. Um, and we'll be discussing a lot of that through this uh, podcast as far as, you know, different conspiracies and we've talked about this before you're not and i don't like the word myself a conspiracy theorist as much as a conspiracy realist exactly so we're gonna go ahead and we've got a couple of topics on this show but uh we got some news last night yes we did i want to start off with that because it'll it'll definitely lead into what we're what the first topic is is uh on this podcast uh that was last night we found out the uh death of george hw bush um i know you're a fan uh, <laughs> i was a fan oh he was one of my favorites of all time <laughs> yeah you're a fan huge huge bush a huge fan. fan no um and all the Iraqi people, I was, fans, I was, all of them. I'm sure they love him too. <laughs> I, I personally was not a fan of this man. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, well, the, the big, the big George? You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I hold the belief that H.W. was likely the last president we had who had full CIA disclosure. Right. Now maybe maybe Clinton, maybe with 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 a big maybe thrown in there. But you know, we had talked about on the last show that there's a lot of classified material that's top secret that through Patriot Act style laws being passed that gives uh, lack of oversight to the CIA and groups like that, it's really not even necessary for most presidents to know anymore. Right. But, you know, H.W. was head of the CIA back in the day uh, during Kennedy. Yes. And, you know, when you get to talking about a lot of this stuff like JFK, like Roswell, so on, um, I... I think that H.W., like I said, he was the last president that had total full disclosure on a lot of it. Oh, well, he was privy to a, a lot right. of information, um, internally, externally, and stuff that nobody maybe will ever know. Right. 
Um, what do you think he went to his grave with? As far as not, uh, you know, as far as non-common knowledge stuff. Man, you're hitting straight out with, right, the, with right. the heavy Hard questions. questions See, I, I imagine he took a lot with him. Sure. Well, you know, with him being head of the CIA back during the time of Kennedy, there's a core idea that you see with a lot of people who this is a big topic of theirs, which is that the Kennedy assassination wasn't just as simple as it looks on the surface. Even if you dive into the idea that there's there's government involvement with it, there's a thread. You see that this was a coup. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Like how you'll see a lot of people who have the idea, which I mean, I don't, I don't really disagree with that. Could Kennedy have been the last freely elected president? And right. that after this, this was when whatever pop culture term you want to use, Illuminati, globalist, whatever, that that was the takeover after that. Okay. Okay. Because that was actually going to be my question, who was the coup by? So it would be these elite, shadowy type figures, like like you refer to as the Illuminati. Right. It would actually, which you Or there's, there's another term that's used by the... Uh, by the author uh, Peter Lavenda, who just refers to him as sinister forces. Right, right. Where it's not something you can easily define, but right. there's there's all these groups that lurk in the background beneath what the, the public sees, and a lot of times motivations will line up, usually for different reasons, right. and we'll see things of this nature. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good lead-in to our, our first topic is uh, JFK. Obviously, you know, um, there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of mystery, a lot of conspiracy around uh, his term and his death and even after, many, many decades after. And uh, with with Bush passing, you know, what do you think he took with him? Um as far as you know, everything that he may have known about this. Well, sort of an indirect way I can answer that is: was it a year ago or or less than that when Trump began really harping on the idea that he was going to declassify a lot of the missing JFK stuff? Yeah, that's right. That's about a year or so ago. Right. Yeah. Sure yeah. Was, yeah. But. You know, I, I I hold the opinion that there's nothing that's gonna come out except people who are hardcore fetishists of like you know learning what Oswald ate for breakfast, yeah, right. things like that. I mean, a lot of this I can imagine was at a conversation level, never written down. Um, and you know, <clears throat> no matter what happens, I don't think we're ever gonna see a declassification the way we want to see one. Right, right. You know, if when Trump talked about that, if there was anybody out there who was thinking that, you know, the next day the CIA was going to get up on the podium and, right. and go, hey, guys. Okay, here it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. here it is, um, guys. We're, we've been holding this back. You know, take it, man. Back, uh, look, we, we kind of got to come, come full circle with this. 
Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Donald Strong Norton us into this whole thing. Okay, here we go. Hey, we're uh, crying uncle right now. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, you know Johnson's Vietnam policy looked a little better. Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy (laughs) wanted to disband. Kennedy wanted to disband us. Uh, We took him out, you know. And you know we've done that a couple times throughout history with different presidents. Yeah. It really wouldn't surprise me if uh, George Bush was buried with the actual magic bullet itself. I mean, I'm talking like there's probably a real magic bullet, you know. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, since we're on that, um, the reasons why. Why why would it happen? Um, especially, you know, with the CIA. And explain more as far as what would be their reasoning what would be their motivation to do such? Well, Kennedy himself was anti-CIA. Yes. <clears throat> you know, he had the idea that there's there's a comic uh, or or a meme that, that I don't know if anybody, uh, if either you two guys saw it, but it's this picture from uh, the 1940s or 50s, and it's got the president out walking a dog on the front lawn and the dog's supposed to be the CIA. Right. right. And, you know, it's a small, you know, little ass uh, Yorkie or something. And then it goes fast forward uh, 60, 70 years or however long and the dog's the size of a damn elephant. You're right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it's still on a leash, quote unquote leash. Yeah. There's so many, the, the Patriot Act is sort of a, it's not exactly relevant to this one, but it's an example of how things like that work where, They'll, how how would I say this? This is one you can <laughs> edit out for airtime, but oh no, editing here, brother. Yeah. We're live, man. No. <laughs> Live-ish. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there can be there will be a number of laws that'll get passed and it'll be packaged in this idea of you'll have some sort of external threat, like whether it's terrorism, whether it's communism, right, right. something of that nature, and. The CIA or the Alphabet Boys, you know, intelligence mm-hmm. bodies, they'll say, we need to be able to do our thing without any involvement from the other branches. Right. Right? So you pass enough of those package deals over the years, you arrive at a place where the CIA and, like I said, the Alphabet Boys are a fourth branch of government with no one to answer to. Right, man. Unchecked. They're right, a parallel right. government. Yeah. Right. So basically, the agencies outgrew the leadership. Right. Right. And, and, and you know, Reverend, I've heard theories, uh, you know, over the years that the FBI and the CIA actually have, like, an internal rivalry and an internal fight. Is there any... Do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, I would assume so, man. It seems like even in a... a Are you talking about like a feud between the FBI and CIA? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they do. Yeah, me too, man. I'm sure there's at least a little bit of pissing contest between the two agencies. I mean... Well, hell, man. I've worked in places with first, second, and third shifts, and we, you know, have pissing contests (laughs) between shifts, I'm sure. You know, when you get the high levels of course. Yeah. They're not doing their job, you know. Exactly, exactly. And I just wonder, though, what that has to do with the, you know, overall security of the nation, man. That's where I start getting a little, you know, man, if we had pissing contests at the job, you know, maybe the, uh, the, you know, the furniture wasn't built correctly or something, you know. But if these guys have fallen outs or major fuse, I mean, it could really, you know. And, of course, you know, you've got also got, you know, agencies that hold back information from, 
you know, yeah. other agencies. Sure, well, I mean, look at how it is with county and state police. Right. Hey, brother, great, great example. I mean, if you yeah. have a if you have a crime scene, mm-hmm. they're gonna have a pissing contest over who gets it. Right, yeah. man. Right, yeah. and that's just local. Yeah. Right? And I think and FBI, they'll, they'll, CIA, it's gonna be that inflated. Oh, exponentially sure. a, a yeah. thousand times right man, right with, with you know a lot worse consequences that could come from that you yeah know? which Wait. i wonder if jfk you know could factor into that you know maybe if it was a cia well i guess we've already kind of talked about that being a coup i mean you know i guess right. that's exactly what yeah. it would be you know really you know? where our position in the government is endangered so we're gonna act accordingly accordingly right right now, I know a lot of people have talked about this, you know, and a lot of people still stand behind Lee Harvey Oswald as the the guy, the motivation, just the the soul, the the soul perpetrator of this. Oh yeah, I mean, th- there's there's a point I can bounce off of that, which is that I can remember. Three four years ago, uh, talking with my grandmother, and there were there was some story about the Kennedy assassination, like a retrospective they were showing on TV, and I just you know casually asked her. <clears throat> I said, "Do you believe Oswald acted alone?" She said, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> and that blew my mind right. to think about. But right. you know, I guess that that generation. I think that generation, Rev, you know, they came up believing what the news told them. You know, they had no reason not to trust them. You know right. I mean? You only had three. You know, we were just talking about that a little earlier before we started recording. You only had three or four channels. You know, you only had three major broadcasters. So when you saw Walter Cronkite or any of these other right. school broadcasters, yeah. well, man, you just trusted what they said. Yeah. And, and everybody, yeah, and, and nobody had ever seen anything like exactly, this before. I mean, right. it was just, a, you know, it, going down, you know, with the Kennedy assassination, and the assassination of Oswald, you know, just bam, bam, back right, back. You know, back to back. It's just By like, a man with cancer, okay. with terminal cancer, who was right. going to be dead within a couple of months. I mean, right. Yeah. We, we, were t- we were talking about this outside, but there's a study that was done that talks about how back in the day, um, well, to, to even go further than that, that back probably around the mid-90s, mid to late 90s when the internet and uh, TV was you know, moving into the 1,000 blocks of channels, Mm -hmm. you had the 24-hour news cycle coming up, that there was this idea that we were going to enter a paradigm in American culture where everybody was going to become more knowledgeable, uh, people were going to be more well-informed, everybody was going to have a voice they can contribute, and society would become more open, or whatever, I guess. So the results that they found over the years have been really fascinating which is that during the 1950s or 60s like uh he was just talking about how you would only have 10 channels if that if that much right well because of programming blocks everybody had essentially the same base political knowledge as each other you know everybody subscribed to the same newspaper right uh everybody watched the news at the same time and whatever their programming was and everybody watched Bonanza and the Flintstones, and it's a lot of time block. Well, what the internet and what cable's done is we've created one group of people who shuns news and politics entirely and retreats into watching nothing but Bonanza or the Flintstones. Right. And then we have one class of people who, you know, dives all in on the 24-hour news cycle, but 
they're not really getting more informed. They're becoming more opinionated. Right. So we have yep. one class yes. of extremely opinionated people <clears throat> and one class of extremely politically ignorant people. Right. And, yeah. and I think what the Reverend said, not, not to interrupt yeah, you, no, yeah. uh, but I think what you said, Reverend, is just so important, man. It's not that they're informed, they're opinionated. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you already go into a situation thinking something already and then you get, you know, your news channel <laughs> to reinforce that. Well, hell, Repetitively. Man, I, Repetitively. Repet- yes, sir. Repetitively. Repetitively. And then you throw the internet, social media on top of that? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. hell, man. I mean, you're just taking some, you know, you're taking a uh, a reinforcement of your ideas from somebody on TV so they must know what they're talking about if they're yeah. on television. And now you get to bounce it off all your other friends on your social media. Well, hell, man, that's just going to take your opinions and just make them solidify. Well, what yeah. was the example we used outside that... See, the easiest way I could compare CNN or MSNBC is if I drove to a local college oh, yeah. campus and I singled out the most liberal professor I could find, and I said, so what's going on? You know, what, what's going on with the world today in the news? And he's likely going to tell me, uh, well, there's all these gender issues going on, and cycle it from there. We have a Nazi in the White House. Right. You know, yeah. And similarly, Fox News would be if I drove to the local dive bar, and pull up to the counter and ask, you know, one of five or six dudes sitting there and goes, man, what's going on with the news? I'm going to hear something like, we're getting what? invaded by Mexico. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah. Uh, you know, you could throw any catchphrases together of topics. You could go like, man, I heard Bernie Sanders is part of the Muslim Brotherhood. <laughs> right, right, right. And believe yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. believe it. Yeah. Just like the liberal college professors right. going to believe that yeah. there's a Nazi in the White House. Right. right. So, I mean. Yep. Yep. And, and I know, I mean, the Reverend talking outside and man, that, and I know this this show is actually on JFK. I know we're kind of going off into a different little area right here. But, you know, in my opinion, man, that's something that's really, you know, fundamentally wrong with our society right now, man. It's like we're playing sports with our politics. Oh, for you know, sure. It's no longer yeah. about, well, we can find middle ground, you know. Well, it's, that our, was, it's, it's, it's our team. Yeah. Exactly. It's it, our it, team. It's Redskins versus Cowboys. Yeah. I don't care how I score that fucking point as long as I score that point. Yeah. And, man, that to me, that's dangerous, you know. And, oh, uh, yeah. You know, because I know the three of us can sit and talk. We're all fairly centered, reasonable people. You know, well, you know, y'all are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just a thunderpud. Yeah. But, but seriously, it's hard to find people that are centered and kind of can look oh, at both sure. sides and, yeah. you know. And either have, right or left. Or left. And yeah. if you ask either one of those other sides about the other side, then they're evil. Yep. You know, there there's no saving them and they must, you know, must be stopped. And oh, that's yeah. just ridiculous but anyway that's my little bit of a no are, are, you're absolutely you know, right are you a marxist soy boy cuck or are you a <laughs> yeah. or are you a privileged uh neo-nazi that's it man and, and i mean and i hate to tell people out there there's a lot in between brothers yeah. there's a lot of others out there you know but yeah yeah well, anyway yeah i'm gonna get off my soapbox i'm you know hell i ain't even supposed to be talking man. i'm just a producer <laughs> shit <laughs> Well, you know, there are so many different <coughs> other conspiracies, uh, you know, thoughts about, you know, what actually happened. Uh, do you want to share any of those as far as, you know... Well, I'm going to open it up by posing a question to both of you. Okay. Do you believe in the idea of symbolism within the assassination? <laughs> wow. Okay. Here's what you I mean me by hard. that. There you go. Here's what I mean by that. You know how you have the phrase, the devil's in the details? Yes. Or, yeah. Well, there's the idea... And this is an entire genre of Kennedy assassination lore, but it talks about how because this was carried out by Masons, by Bonesmen, by people whose default way of thinking is ritualistically, that you can find ritual symbolism within it. Right. 
I, you know, this is something I've been fascinated in and interested in for decades. You know, uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast. You know, well, I guess I just gave up my secret identity, huh? But uh, <laughs> I know we had talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, you know, like I said, uh, podcast. I, what's a podcast? Yeah, really. Well, I hope y'all are listening to it. We're going to get a commercial. <laughs> <at some point>. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I know we've talked about you know this kind of stuff like with the Masons and things like that, and, and something that I've looked into for years, like with Alan Handelman and William Cooper. You mm-hmm. know, that was my original point, kind of going back to where I first heard this stuff. I think it's absolutely possible. I don't want to sit here and say absolute, you know, because I don't know that. Do I think it's possible? Hell yeah, man, I think it's right. possible. And I think if there are groups like this, they would absolutely use symbolism, you know, mm-hmm. because apparently if these theories are correct, or even if there's a hint of truth to it, then these societies would go back for centuries. Right. Which I mean, we all know, man, that, you know, cultures from back in those days relied heavily on symbolism yes. for pretty much everything. <clears throat> so I don't think that it's out of the question <clears throat> to think that these groups would use that, man. Absolutely. I, I think it's very highly possible. Well, for, for well, here's, here's a few examples I can just throw at you and bounce off, but you know, the idea that this took place in Dallas, Dallas is on the 33rd parallel. Yes, sir. I've heard that. And the, you know, the 33rd degree is the highest degree of masonry Yes, sir. Yes. or, um, you know, the fact that, I'll, I'll dive. No, you know what? I'll hold off on this one. And dive into it in a minute. But the idea that let's see. Well, wasn't there like a wasn't there something to do with like a pentagram too? Wasn't there something like the roads formed a pentagram? No, I think I'm thinking about Washington D.C. I'm sorry, man. I'm getting my <laughs> yeah. That's a. I mean, well, this stuff's this stuff's kind of all over the place. And it's son of Sam too. Yeah. 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 That one of the lines of thinking you see open up is where people ask, well, what's the harm now? And if they chose to declassify it. And there's there's three reasons that you see popped up really over and over again. And one of them is because if the public really looks at it and knows what to look for and sees the fingerprints of masonry mm-hmm. all over this, that one of the things that's going to damage is, you know, not just masonry itself... But the entire idea of progressivism that we base this nation on. Right, right. From back all the way to its founding, you know, liberty, mm. equality, fraternity, all that. Right. Um, speaks ill of those who shielded the conspirators. Right, man. I mean, it, it would, like, destroy the trust in the government, too. I mean, man, yeah. the government took out the president. That's what I, I was going to say was it, the third point, was the entire mental concept that the public has that passes for knowledge about the genuine nature of what the United States government is. Right, right, man. It goes against that. I mean, you know, uh, government of the people by the people. Well, the people wouldn't assassinate a president. Man. Right. I, I mean, I can definitely you, see that. But do you also think that maybe that some of that has really been lost over the, you know, at least 10 years or so? What, what, I mean, as especially as after, after 9-11, we had that, that the, the gathering, as I called it. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as, you know, everybody coming together yeah. for America, you know. All American blah, blah, blah. flags were everywhere. Exactly. Right, right. But it, even after that, you know, going into the war, everybody's patriotism kind of went. Starts fading a little bit. On the downslope. And it, it, but they see, weren't it felt really, like 9-11 was kind of a blip on the map, right. if that makes sense. That, you know, after after the Cold War ended, um. The 90s were a period of total prosperity where yeah, people man. became really apolitical. 
I guess. Patriotism wasn't something you really saw or heard about. Everybody right. was taking advantage of the economy, really doing yeah. their own thing. Right. But then when 9-11 happened, it was like this little six-month blip where everybody right. wore flag pins, got right. all into it. And that's sort of what I come to, was that just kind of an outlier? And I think, too, man, when once the uh, conspiracy theories about 9-11 started to come up is really when you started seeing that shift. In my opinion, from what I could tell, when yeah. you really started kind of seeing that shift away from that, you know, blind patriotism. You right, know? right. And, and yeah. you know, obviously, you know, Bush going on TV and saying, well, now I'm going into Iraqi now. Mm-hmm. But I, I just remember when Bush went on TV and says, well, I guess they didn't have weapons of mass destruction after all starts laughing. I'm like, well, I hope every family member... Of soldiers yeah. on both sides of that yeah. war that died, hear you laughing, man. Yeah. I mean, man, once again, man, I get on my soapbox. Right. No, no, it's, but it's, I, I think that's really when the trust in the government really started getting. Because you know, we heard about JFK theories for years, man. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably the probably the most, at least the most popular conspiracy theory, I would think. Right. And and I think you know the trust was already kind of maybe getting questionable. But I think after 9-11, and especially when you know Bush went into Iraq, that's when I really think that people are like, okay, maybe there is a little bit more going on here. Maybe maybe we're not golden here. You know what I'm saying? Maybe right. we are capable of yeah. terrible right. things. You know? Well, you know, what what I was talking about before about the 33rd parallel, um, there's, I mean, there's a pretty large amount of things you can look into where the number 33 plays into this over and over again. Like, for example, it was said that... Uh, uh, Solomon's Temple would be rebuilt on the 33rd parallel. Okay. Or that the first uh, atomic bomb test we had in White Sands, New Mexico, 33rd parallel. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, know that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Dealey Plaza in uh, Dallas, site of the Dallas Masonic Temple. Say, hell, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, the one that, the one that I took a pause from a minute ago to sort of collect my thoughts was as to how to bring this up or where to frame it. We can kind of dive into it, but, you know, you talked about Oswald earlier. If you were to, what do you think Oswald's actual role in it was, wow. if any? Okay. Um, as far as what I believe, what I think. Right. Um, I think, and I know the word's overused, definitely. Um, definitely a... Uh, scapegoat patsy right uh as far as uh this is a guy that we can link all this stuff to is an easy out kind of put a little bow on it right you know what i'm saying yeah let me ask you this agent do you think that oswald was involved at all or do you think he was just a straight up patsy or do you think he had any involvement i think he had some involvement yeah i do too uh but to take in and put the farm in you know, bet the farm all this yeah. this one guy to right. get the job done. Uh, Eggs in the basket, brother. I, I don't think that's the case. Right. I honestly do not think that's the case. I think there there was a backup, or what I say a backup. As far as I know, he he was an excellent uh, uh, shot marksman. Or marksman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's that's a lot to put your. Put your whole Do you believe the whole idea that he was one of three involved? Yes. Okay. I yes. think so, too. Uh, yeah, right. I don't, I don't so. know. Two or three. Um, definitely more than one. Right. Well, for sure more for than sure. one. Three, it, three is the number, and one of the things that you should sort of look for in this stuff, how I was talking about the fingerprints having, you know, they just reek of 
symbolism when you really look down at it, but there's there's an idea or uh, a pattern you see pop up with a lot of assassinations where the Rosicrucian cross pattern is used. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with, with what that looks like, <clears throat> that <clears throat> the Exxon logo, you know how it looks yeah. like you have two X's, yeah, yeah. but you don't. Right. That's a Rosicrucian cross. Yeah. I, I remember hearing that when I was younger. They said it was like, well, I always heard it was a satanic symbol. Well, maybe I shouldn't say Rosicrucian. That's not correct, but I always heard it was a satanic symbol, like a broken, fallen cross or yeah, it, it something linked, like that. Okay. Well, it links yeah. back It links back to the Knights Templar, and the actual, it's the Rosicrucian cross, but the actual term for it is the Cross of Lorraine. Right. And the way you would see it go is imagine um, you have a scenario like you had in Dallas that day with a parade. Well, you're going to have one shooter who's straight ahead, right. one who's to the left, and one who's to the right, right. slightly further up. That's what I, when I said pentagram earlier, that's what I was talking I have heard that. I have right. heard that theory okay. that the bullets were okay. in a pattern. I, yeah. I was thinking pentagram, right. but that was it. Man. Right. That's it, yes. So Oswald, in the book Depository, would have been the the one to the left, the grassy knoll shooter who people you know, claim they've seen. Right. That was the second assassin on the right. And then... The third one, who we don't know. Now, there's been allegations that it was the driver. I, I was or, going to ask you about that. Right. Do you think the driver had anything to do with it? William Cooper swore by that. Right. I remember that was one of his biggest, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, selling points was that the driver actually turns around and and pops him point blank. But basically, right. that's the pattern we see for assassinations at that level is there there will be three assassins involved and the Rosicrucian cross is used. And so if... One per so if the plot's blown open, then one person will take the fall. Right. Now, the the a lot of times these could be people who don't even know each other. They're recruited. Sure, right. right. They they would never have met, never have had any contact. They would they would have feelers or handlers, right. handlers. The the assassination that kicked off World War One of uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand that used the no Lorraine Cross. Oh shit! Okay. I didn't, I didn't uh, know that. Martin Luther King's assassination. Do you know uh, what? Uh, hotel he was staying at. No, I don't. The Lorraine Hotel. No yeah. shit. Right. Yep. God damn, man. Yeah. See, that's mind-blowing to me. I, I mean, I get in conspiracy theories, quote-unquote, but man, this is new. This is yeah. new information. That's that's insane. And, and, and you know, guys, like, I don't know if that's true. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's really the, you know, these organizations that work like that. But man, it sure as hell makes you... I think it should at least, yeah. you know, raise some questions for people. Or, <clears throat> I mean, there's... Good night, man. There's so much symbolism we can dive into. I mean, you know, it, it, hell, if you want to talk about names, I mean, which I think we kind of, we have to bring up names and symbolism because, you know, Jack Ruby was a fake name. No, I did not, man. No, no. in 1947, Jesus. his real name was uh, Jacob Rubenstein, yeah. and he changed it to Jack Ruby. I didn't know that. And one thing that's interesting about that is that Jack Ruby is an old pawnbroker's term that means... Uh, fake piece of jewelry right. no or, fool, shit. or fool's gold yeah no shit yeah. i yeah. have no i had no yeah. idea about that or i mean if we dive into it even further uh oz as a prefix in latin means power or strength but it also conjures up the idea of the wizard of oz because that's right. the Curtain. context from our time right. and ruby slippers yeah shit <laughs> yeah and, you know, um kennedy was buried in uh arlington Virginia, Oswald buried in Arlington, Texas. Damn, um, man, I did, Arlington yeah. is an old Masonic term that's linked to 
necrolatry or the elevation of the dead to a place of worship and the the eternal flame right that's insane and, right. and you know one thing that i think about you know what let's just hypothetically let's say this is you know honest to god let's say there is these groups let's say there are these you know i mean luciferian i guess possibly you know as a, as a word i mean or um or well yeah i, I would say luciferian is not exactly accurate but i think that it's a useful term to to convey to the to the common person or the uneducated on this stuff what they would imagine luciferianism to be right like like i mean this is a whole subject for another day but i i kind of hold to the belief that there's religions out there that average people have no idea even exists right that the the way rich the high upper into right man just ancient forgot quote unquote forgotten as far as the populace goes but you know what i was thinking if these groups you know a diabolical group or groups do this i can absolutely if we're going to think that man then i can absolutely see why symbolism would absolutely be there because to me these kind of groups would want to put their calling card out you know hell man even when when we do our podcast and stuff we like put little things in our artwork just little symbols you know just for us now imagine that on a completely higher level right you know i mean of course i mean i I don't think that that's you know irrational to think at all man if this stuff is you know it's legit man which you know once again i'm not going to say whether it is or not but well there's there's a ritual in masonry called the killing of the king ritual and yeah, there was a writer named James Shelby Downard who, back in 1987, I believe with the first edition of the book uh, Apocalypse Culture, the compilation, he wrote a piece called King Kill 33, or The Killing of the King at 33 Degrees. You know, uh, Marilyn Manson ended up doing a song on his Kennedy Concept album yeah. about it. But, you know, it, it really dives into it. It talks about how one of the things, probably a, a stamp you see on the events that I maybe find just about the most interesting of the whole thing is that that day in Dallas, there were three hobos who were arrested and looked into. Do you, do you know about this? Have you heard that? No, I don't. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember one. I don't remember the other two. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this. So check this out. There were three hobos who were arrested. And this is supposedly symbolically linked to the three unworthy craftsmen in masonry Um, so the idea is okay why would they do that why would they just pick these three hobos up charge them say we're going to look at you for what happened today and then immediately release them well the idea behind that is that it's a psychological blow to the people to, to Kennedy's people I guess you could say, to people who were in the know about what happened and said, okay, this is a coup by these people who are high up in government, it's symbolism to illustrate the futility of trying to investigate into it. Uh, it's, it's basically sending them a message. Yeah. It's like you're the, not same as, right. the same as putting yeah. a horse head in... Hell yes, man. That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. like you're just, right. you know, you're not going to be able to bring us down. Right. This thing, especially at that time, you know, pre-internet, pre, you know, you, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, cable news, things like that, man. Well, hell yeah. Yeah. And there's no way to bring it down at that particular time, especially when they hold all the power. Well, it, I mean, for you example, know. you know, LBJ, uh, Earl Warren, Gerald Ford, J. Edgar Hoover, and Alan Dulles, all 33rd degree Masons. Yes. Wow. You know, yeah. on the... Yeah. 
on the Warren Commission, there was only one guy who was not a Mason. He was also uh, a Catholic like Kennedy was. Uh, Representative Hale Boggs was mm-hmm. his name. Right. Um, now, apparently, as far as the stories go, he initially agreed with the findings of the commission, but later came to say, I've got some questions about this. There's a lot of things that are strange uh-huh. popping up. And, you know, like I said, he was very much an outsider to secret societies. He wasn't one of the, the good old boys. Right. Um, he was killed in a plane crash. <laughs> that's, wow. that's convenient. You know, very convenient. Right. Well, let me turn this turn this from uh, the conspiracy side of it to the, I want to say, almost supernatural side of it as far as what people have talked about and labeled as the Kennedy curse. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that as far as it going down the line? You are know, you talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about it's, like it's a Kennedy. joke. You know, you know the joke about the reason why Maria Shriver married Schwarzenegger to breed bulletproof Kennedys. Right, oh, right. Shit. No, yeah. I never heard that. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you know, as far as you know, going down the line, you know, JFK, obviously. Bobby. Well, even before that, you know, with with uh, the 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 smaller brother uh, that got Jackie. Was it was it Jackie Kennedy? I think so. I don't know, man. I want to say the smaller brother died. You know, early on in his life. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Um, then of course Robert. Right. And then you go on. Ted's, to, Ted had some of his issues. Yeah. Know. Well, he had issues. Ted had a lot of issues. <laughs> but he never went anywhere. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Understatement. Yeah. Not, not the best driver. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then obviously to Junior. Um, right. Right. Coincidence links. Or curse. I can remember back around 1999, I guess. I believe this was the year of it. And being in the bookstore at uh, at a mall a couple towns over. And there was a book they had on display of Nostradamus prophecies. Hmm. And, you know, they were cashing in on the Y2K thing, oh, putting, yeah. it, putting it right there oh, front yeah. and right. But this book, I wish I'd knew the title of it or could go back and look at it now but it had prophecies listed out month by month right so if i'm remembering this right because i don't have you know it right here in front of me to tell you what date it was that that junior died on but for shits and giggles i go okay what's it say for june 99 or July 99, whichever it was. Right. And the Nostradamus prophecy listed said uh, the the son of the king, uh, or the, the son of the uncrowned king will fall from the sky and the world will mourn. Oh, shit. Wow. Let, so let me ask you, do you, do you believe uh, in his prophecies? Because I was always a little on the fence. That was actually man. July 16th of 19... 19- 99. Okay. So that would be right yeah. there. So that would yeah. be right at Y2K and yeah. yeah. And, the, yeah. and the prophecy. Yeah, Nostradamus, I don't know. I was always like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> no, not really. No, I mean, either. but I will say, man, that, well that's worded. intriguing. I mean, yeah. that, that is, it's like, a, real, is well, well worded coincidences. I, I, I think so. I think, yeah. That's always been yeah. my see, see, That can be left for impotent. I wouldn't left. even say well worded coincidences. I would say that they're purposefully so oblique yeah. that nothing can be predicted with them. You can only apply them to things and, in hindsight. And yeah. then they're so 
um, not not obscure. Not what's the word I'm looking for. They're so uh, wide open that they yeah. can apply to almost anything. Right. Really open to interpretation. Yeah. Right? Kind of how Zodiac, horoscopes, I kind of consider that to be in the same vein. You yeah. Know, oh, they're sure. so open. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hell, man, I can go down and read all 12 signs. I'm like, well, shit, I can almost relate to all of them yeah. in right. certain yeah. ways, you know. But exactly. Yeah, Nostradamus, eh, I am not. But I will say, Doc, that is a hell of a prophecy for that time. I mean, that is, once again, it's intriguing. Right. Know? But see, I mean, that's also, you know, they talk about the uncrowned prince falling from the sky, but... I mean, you know, maybe maybe to some people he was the uncrowned prince. To other people, he was just a dude. Yeah, right. really, man. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or it so could have been Prince falling down, you know, some stairs yeah. <laughs> on that particular day. Or prince it, Charles or the artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it could just been, you know, nonsense. I mean, right. I mean, truth be told, yeah. it could just been someone yeah. else's write some shit down. And you know, it's kind of like when fortune tellers, you know, can tell you your fortune. You know, they'll ask you certain questions and. Right. You know, it's just read, man. They're working marks. Yeah. Is really what it is. And, but. but it's amazing that, that we can sit here and, good God, I mean, we're coming up on how many years now? 53, I believe. 53. 53. I yeah, mean, yeah. so many decades later that we are actually still here talking about this thing. And it's amazing the impact that it's had on, you know, just. You know, oh, culture yeah. for you know over over half a century now. and you know I've always kind of considered his assassination to be sort of the end of the innocence right. the quote unquote now needless to say society in the 50s wasn't innocent right. but it was portrayed right. as such you right. know and even you know we think of happy days we think of things like that and we think of the 50s you know obviously it wasn't really like that behind closed doors yeah right. the thing about you that know. it was it was it's illusion because to a large degree what you can blame for I say blame. That's not really the best word. But what you can really credit with what created the Leave It to Beaver atmosphere of the 1950s was this collective gut response to everything seen in World War II. Amen. And this idea that we need to harness it back, that as a culture we sort of lost our innocence a bit. Right. And even if this is just us deluding our kids... Still, it's yeah. better than all the you know horror that we saw during World War Two. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. That all right. That, yeah. So you know, going back to this thing, you know, and and this has just popped up into my mind um, with the assassination, with it being recorded. Do you think uh, that they had ever thought about that well, from like the, the outset? Film? Yeah, yeah. Do you think they would have ever thought about that? at that time that it would have been uh, recorded right or right. there would have been a piece of history that would have captured this moment that's a good question i don't know quite how to answer that right that that is man because you know that technology was still fairly new yeah i mean it really was i yeah. mean you know you gotta think these people that are plot if you know once again i was like to put that preface in there if this is, is legit you know i would assume that these people would be older you mm-hmm. know from another generation for I sure mean, would they even consider TV cameras and stuff. Like I'm sure that. you know. That's at, a good at, uh, well, at that point, you know, you're thinking, "Oh my God, somebody's caught this on camera." Hell, we didn't think of that. Okay. You know, oh, we've got you know. Well, that's we like may need to people, scramble on this thing and kind of. That's like did the right. people who, uh, you know, uh, not to use loaded language, but orchestrated 9/11. Did they envision YouTube? Amen. Right. Did right. they envision right. the idea that, like. You and I had talked about before how we have an entire demographic of young people uh, below age 30, a lot of them in their early 20s, who 
have taken on 9-11 conspiracy as their their pet topic. Well, like a hobby. Their hobby. Right, right. And they, you know, they might pick one area of it to specialize in, like uh, the political side, thermodynamics, right. um, you know, uh, symbolism within it. Right. Things of that nature. Right. And they can tell you what happened that day down to, you know, the minute. You're right. Or, right. The, or the, the quarter second, minute. Yeah. 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 All these details. Details that we probably have you know, you can, seen or heard. You can, you can log online any nights of the week and retreat to corners of Reddit or whatever website yeah. you want to, and you'll find them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It's there. You know, we were talking about another conspiracy theory a little earlier. I won't go into it, but... Everything I read up on it was on Reddit. You know, yeah. uh, it's a hell of a website, man. You know, yeah, oh, it's a for lot. Sure. Oh man, it, it goes pretty deep. But you know, Doc, I was going to ask you, um, and and I know you know you've got you got a format, but can we talk a little bit more about the symbolism? So, is there of any, course, yeah, because that that stuff really truly fascinates yeah. me, man. You know, because I, I I do agree that if these diabolical groups would do something, I think one hundred percent, man, that they got to put their fingerprint on it. I yeah. think they'd be too too much of an ego not to do it. And if for no other reason, just because it's the default mode of how they think. Right. right. Even right. when they're not intending to send a message, it's like the idea of a Freudian slip. Yes, right. sir. Right. And I think it's just a, a kind of a fuck you too. You know, it's yeah. like, fuck you. We're going to put our fingerprints all over this thing and you won't even know it. Right. You know, we'll know it. And other people that we're in cahoots with will know it, but you know, the regular population, you know, wouldn't know. So yeah, I'd like to maybe discuss some more of that symbolism and some more of that. And one thing I do want to say, uh, just to kind of put this out there, we're, we're not saying Freemasons are evil. You know, the, the basic free, like, like are the people, you know, I right. know some Freemasons, you know, uh, good people. I mean, right. they're, they're, they're great people. No, I uh, think most, most uh, it, say, I don't even know that I like to blame Masons for anything like that. Cause I mean, I think the majority of people you meet in any secret society, not just them. They're people like, you know, your grandpa who drive yeah, the go right. like riding the go kart in local parades, exactly. like doing charity work. And, right, man. Wearing the and on that hats, level you know? it's more like a fraternity, a fraternity. than it is right. a society. But I think that with all these groups there's an inner core of the the super rich elite old money right. who this is their way of networking and Yes. You'll see symbolism. It's not even to suggest that the group itself. It's that it's what these guys were into. Right. I, I, an old professor that I uh, had when I was back in college, back in the nineties, uh, he was really big in conspiracy. That was another person who was very influential on me getting into this stuff because he was, you know, he was older and you know, obviously professor, but he was man. He, you know, he knew his stuff as far as his, seemed to know his stuff anyway. Right. You know, but one thing that he said that really, well, two things he said that really stuck out to me all these years later. One was the Democratic and Republican Party are just flip sides to the same counterfeit coin. I'll never forget Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And the other thing he said was not all Freemasons are in the Illuminati. He did use the Illum Illuminati, mm. but all Illuminati are in the Freemasons. I don't know if that Boom. would be fair, right. uh, but you yeah. know, man, it makes yeah. you know. Once again, it makes you wonder. Exactly. In other words, yeah, man. In other words, it could be a way in to these organizations. So what was some of the symbolism you were wanting to dive into? Oh, man, just uh, whatever you have. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm glad we talked about the cross and the bullets because, mm -hmm. like I said, I do remember hearing that. Uh, the 33rd degree parallel, I do remember hearing about that as well. Is there anything else? Because, um, like I said, man, that stuff to me just completely fascinates me. Well, you know, <clears throat> again, going back to what we were talking about literally just a second ago about how it's sort of what this this group of the really well-connected old money are into. You know, this is a whole other rabbit hole to dive into, but America 
is really founded on masonry more than anything, even more than any of the ideals we like to put out, like, uh, um, you know, liberty, equality, yeah, justice right. for all, all that. That really, that really, this was, the founding of America was as a safe haven for religious fringe groups, but also for secret societies right. who were right. being persecuted by the crown. Right. And so, you know, you can see it when you really dive into, uh, you know, a, a good symbolism that it's it's all over is David Lynch's movies. Right. Um, you know, if you want to look at uh, Blue Velvet, or if you want to look at uh, Eraserhead, if you want to look at Twin Peaks, right. any of them. Right. There is this really deep idea that there's a cheery exterior mm-hmm. to what America is, like this really, you know, almost to a corny degree, innocent. Like Pleasantville. And, yeah. There you go. And it's right. directly contrasted with this extremely dark um, shadow group that's mm-hmm. operating behind closed doors in a, in a lodge-like right. area. Um, with a racer head, you know, it's the lady in the radiator. With, the, the, you know, this idea that the real power is an unseen hidden yeah. hand right. that has that's chock full of occult symbolism. Right. Blue Velvet, uh, Mulholland Drive, you know, Twin Peaks, the Black Lodge. I can go on and on yeah. with it, but you know, one thing that I always found fascinating, and I didn't even know this until I was in college, and this professor I was talking about earlier is one that told me this, uh, you know, George Washington, and I think maybe even Adams. Uh, so, in other words, man, there were a lot of presidents that actually took the oath of office on a Masonic Bible. Right. right. And and I swear, man, back in this day, about a two, three weeks, maybe a month later or whatever, I had another class, and we were watching the swearing-in of George Bush, mm-hmm. senior to the one who just passed yes. away. And they brought up how he was getting sworn in on the Masonic Bible. And, you know, we just heard this in with our professor, just like I said, about a month or so earlier. So we, it just really blew all of our minds. It was like, holy shit, there it is. Yeah. And it's not being hidden. Yeah. It's not being trying to put under the radar. I mean, they're like, and George Bush will be taking the oath on this Masonic Bible. And I believe it was the same one that Washington used. A I, parallel I example, a parallel example of it, of the, the David Lynch symbolism we were talking about was Mormonism. You know, if you want to say Mormonism is the most... Maybe the most inherently American of all sure, religions. Right. I mean, think about it. It, it, really it, is. it is this really innocent, cheery exterior mm-hmm. put on, uh, you know, a shadow group. Right. At right. the at the deep core that operates from the inside. Right. And, you know, whether you want to say that's the the temple, the inner sanctum, or what have you, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's. You, you you see it pop up with a lot of American religions that were founded after the the American Revolution. Right. That it's this idea that plays up over and over again that Masonic symbolism is it's, all it's over the in place. There. It's in there. It's embedded in it. It's right. it's very much built into the inner structure. Right. Like um, go 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 ahead. What were you about to say? Oh no, I was just I was just going with you, man. Yeah, just as far as Mormon. Well, you know, it's, to my knowledge, it's one of the main, only mainstream religions that actually says that, you know, Jesus or whatever was actually here on North America, actually, right. in the boundaries right. and borders here of America, well, to and you my know, knowledge. Well, you know, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, he was really well-versed in all this oh, okay. stuff. Right. That uh, there's sources that say, <coughs> now, this isn't something that the churches will, will talk about at all. They'll, they'll deny it. But 
Joseph Smith was one of the biggest collectors of grimoires. Now, if you know what, it, what now, is that? Do you, are you familiar no. with the term of grimoire? It's similar. It'd be similar to the Necronomicon. Oh no, like, shit! Yeah, it's these these books that are um, written by uh, occult. They're they're compendiums of occult schools of thought mm-hmm. written over the years, like uh, the Lesser Keys of Solomon, the Necronomicon, so oh. on and so on. Right. But Joseph Smith was a huge collector of this stuff, and. As it relates to secret society, he was extremely well versed in it. Oh wow, that's insane! I had no idea. Of that. Yeah, that is nuts. Well, I tell you guys what, I know we're about to start hitting uh, the first hour here. Is there anything you know you guys want to start? You know, um, anything you want to close our first segment with? Well, or? I do have one thought that I sort of came up with when I was, uh, you know, compiling some things to to hit on note wise with this. Um, you know, we talk about symbolism within Kennedy and how it relates to the larger American culture itself, do you buy into the idea, and now this is, this might be wingnut territory, but do you believe in the idea that this was symbolically the moment the Irish became white? Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I wouldn't even know how to answer that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've never, I'd have to think on that one, brother. That That's a, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Um, Actually, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, if you, <laughs> yeah, if you if you definitely we'll look right at back. it, it's like <laughs> no, if you if you look at it, wow, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, I see mean, that's it. I can see it, man. Really? Just, yeah, I'd have to uh, kind of reflect on that question, but because at that time, yeah. if you're not yeah. familiar with that time, that was that was definitely a different time. It was. You're right. You know, as far as they were still kind of considered lower class, lower class, Second outsider, class. Yeah. immigrants. Yeah, you know, this a lot is, of prejudice. This know. is almost a whole other topic, but you know, Irish people—they're how how would you say it? Uh, there were if you go back and look at the feud that they always had with the English right. people. There's a really fascinating history if you want to really follow the Irish bloodline. You know, the English never considered the Irish to be white, right? Right, right. and um, there's been explanations as to why and some people think it was because of uh, Catholicism versus right. Protestantism right. but actually it goes a good bit deeper than that and it's a subject I researched a good bit recently probably about two three months ago back over the summer and there's this idea that archaeologists people who study uh, genetics and people who study history and from a number of fields they've put this idea together that and it, admittedly, it's it's seen as fringe to a lot of people, but that when you go and look at um, like okay, Southern Europeans, for example, Southern Europeans like the Spaniards, the Portuguese, the Southern Italians, the Greeks, people of that nature, they're essentially a sub race of Europeans. You know, not quite. European, not quite Middle Eastern, not quite North uh, African, like a I little see. mix, right. little mixture. Right, got yeah. you. Right. Well, one of the things that they're finding, and now it largely makes sense because of both the Moorish uh, presence in Southern Europe for about an eight hundred year time period after the fall of Rome, mm-hmm. up to the Inquisition, but also because Rome was the center of the world. Right. Uh, you know, the center of commerce, center of trade, and everything, and you had all these groups. Uh, just sort of all coming together. Right. 
so that sort of you know creates the the olive skin, the dark hair, dark sure. eyes. Right. Right. Well, one of the things that's really mind blowing that they found is that the Irish can be lumped in with that also, and nobody quite understands why. Right. Because right. Ireland is so far yeah. out there, but the idea is that Irish people are a, are direct descendants of uh, Moors from Spain and okay. Portugal. You know, obviously mixed with uh, with Vikings and Celts sure, <clears throat> and right. things of that nature. Yes. But the the signs and the uh, the explanations are pretty fascinating when you dive into it. Like for example, uh, O typo blood is nearly non-existent <clears throat> on the European continent itself but it's all over the place in ireland and it's also all over the place in spain portugal italy and north africa like egypt right yeah um there there's other things like how musicologists have studied uh forms of irish music that came about like uh, like jig like folk Mm -hmm. right thing and they've talked about how it's so radically different from anything that ever popped up in um you know, Wales, Scotland, England, or the continent like classical or ballad. Right. And musicologists who have done blind listening to it have said, well, this sounds, this is music from Turkey or from Morocco or somewhere like that. Right. Um, you know, the word Isa means Jesus in only two languages, Arabic and Gaelic. Right. Um, they found Celtic crosses in, uh, I want to say County Kerry. Don't, don't quote me on that, but that, uh, have been carbonated and originated from around 500 AD that there's Celtic crosses that have the word uh, Bismillah on it, which is Arabic for in the name of God. Oh, so there's, but yeah, that that's what that's they're sort crazy, of coming man. with right. is this idea that maybe the reason why the English never considered the Irish white is because they're not really. Not really at the end of the day, genetically. Right. right. Damn, man. Which would go into the prejudice and the you know, basic almost racism. I get. I mean, to a certain degree, I guess you could almost say racism. Yeah. You know, which which I've always found kind of interesting myself because you know, Southern Europeans, especially Italians and Spaniards, uh, were never treated white in America right, in the early right. days, and they were treated as a in a parallel way to how the Irish were treated, which right. on the surface doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, man. It's kind of mind boggling. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, guys, if y'all want to, uh, well, uh, before we do that, man, uh, Reverend, is there anything, man, you'd like to end our first segment with? Or, well, we, do you think we'll ever know? Uh, do you think it, it'll ever be released in our time? I'm not opposed to the idea that we might get some uh, pretty shitty, shittily, <laughs> if that's a word, thrown together uh, explanations by the the corporate media and the administration but as far as the real truth no not a chance okay but i don't either i don't think we'll ever i don't think uh like our children will ever see it in in other words i think it's buried forever man i'm with the reverend i think we may get some bones thrown to us over the next few you know generations here and there right or i should say years not generations but anything definitive i don't i don't see that right yeah Well, if you guys are good, we're going to go ahead and take a little break, but uh, we're going to be right back with the second uh, part of our show, so uh, y'all don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
What's up, Puds? This is Jason from the podcast with Jason and Mike. And I want to take this opportunity to talk to y'all about GameSwap, located at 112 Northeast Court Square, right here in beautiful downtown Lincoln, North Carolina. Whether you're looking for the best new games and consoles, or you're more of a retro guy like me, GameSwap has you covered. People, I'm talking everything from Atari, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox. Hey, there's even systems I've never even heard of before. So if you're a hobbyist, a hardcore gamer, or a collector, GameSwap is the only place to go. And maybe video games isn't your thing. Well, that's cool too because GameSwap is much more than just a game store. They also carry a vast selection of comic books, toys, t-shirts, and all sorts of collectibles spanning all aspects of pop culture from science fiction, action adventure, TV, horror, and all points in between. You really just have to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Get on down here to GameSwap and see it for yourself and tell them that the PUD sent you. Welcome back to the good news. I'm Thunder Pud number two, Agent C. What we got coming up next, brother, with the Reverend Doctor? Well, since, you know, we, we kind of left off with, you know, your 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 groups, your your sinister groups, and even in the CIA. Um, our next topic is going to bring us to um, a subject of, of mind control, and with the title of MK Ultra. Right. Now, I only knew about this in the past couple months. Right. And I've been looking into it and, and and trying to see kind of where it all began. Why don't you tell us what is what is MK Ultra and what it's all about and where its 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 beginnings came from and how it's applied to today? Okay. So to start with, MK Ultra comes from the German term uh, mind control, but control spelled with a K, mm-hmm. because. The root, the true roots of MK Ultra, I guess, came from uh, naval intelligence during World War II, and uh, it slightly originated with that, and also partially during the Korean War. But the initial intent of it was to figure out a program that you would use to train American soldiers to resist Stockholm syndrome in POW captivity. Right that trying to figure out a way how the brain can essentially be mapped out, figure out what makes people crack, Mm. how they think, and what can be used to sway and influence thought. Gotcha. I guess. So, it you know, it later on ended up encompassing all kinds of things like uh, hypnotism, like uh, LSD. Right, right. uh, You know, Timothy Leary was uh, was an asset himself. Oh, okay. Right. right. Um, but now, uh, officially, according to documents, it says that it started under the name MKUltra back around 1953 right. uh, with uh, Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA, as one of the architects of it. Now, what <clears throat> gets kind of interesting is like when you talk about it being MK, with the K being control and German spelling, this is obviously linked to Operation Paperclip. Ah, uh, yes, sir. No. Now, Let you, me explain that. Hey, yeah, I was going to say, just say, are you familiar with I'm that? I'm not. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Operation Paperclip was a classified program that we ran. 
in the aftermath of World War II where you had all of these scientists who worked for the Third Reich. And after Germany collapsed, they were basically going to the highest bidder. And it was either going to be us they went to or Russia. Right. So we did a mass buyout on all these guys like Werner von Braun. Yes. And people who became rocket scientists for NASA. Yes. And... Yeah, that's that's essentially Operation Paperclip and okay. what it was in in a really brief explanation of okay. it. I always looked at it like a bunch of Nazis pretty much got a free pass to come over here and work for us. Yeah, right. I they mean, did pretty much, you know. But then again, you know, not to you know to play devil's advocate, if they wouldn't have, who knows where we would be right now? Exactly. With the technology. Yeah. I mean, it is what it right. is, but that that's what it really basically, in my opinion, boiled down to. Well, we got because on that side. I mean, on that side, I mean. These guys were were they're pretty advanced. Yeah, they were advanced. I mean, even further than than our guys. The way I they were extraordinarily it. Yeah. advanced. Yeah. Some would even say they had alien <laughs> influence. Yeah. I've heard that theory. We'll get into yeah. that at some. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we'll, that'll be another uh, episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. You know, because I know that they go into like the bell. I, well, once again, I don't want to get into that. You well, know, yeah. you know, the the stuff is all linked because they went to work for NASA. Right. And. You know, there's. Um, do you believe in the idea that we have a secret space program? Absolutely, yes. I do. Yeah, I, I believe in aliens, man. I just, I will put that out there. You know, I do too. I, I, I'm really, you know, I try to be kind of across the board and skeptical on certain things, especially with the subject matter we go into. But I, 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 yeah, I do believe in aliens. I don't know if they're from outer space or interdimensional or not, but I do think I they're from the interdimensional. Uh, me too. Okay. I think yeah. that's more more feasible. But yes, yes, I do. There, there's some pretty fascinating videos that people have used just on visible evidence to support it where they've talked about seeing ufos uh picked up by radar traveling in excess of 700 miles per hour and making 90 degree turns things that just totally defy the laws of physics and you can say whether that is uh you know uh, interdimensional or whether that's nanotechnology we glean from roswell right it's yeah, definitely unexplained and definitely not um, something the mainstream population, you know, is aware of. Right. You know, that's why we theorize on it. But yeah, I definitely think, yeah, right. definitely think there's more to it than what we than what we know or what we've been told. Well, there's. Were you about to say something? Oh no, no, go ahead. Okay, there's a really fast. You know, when we dive into like start talking about the topic of the secret space program, Operation Paperclip, Roswell, so on and yes, so sir. on. It links back to MK Ultra in a really <clears throat> really fascinating way. So this is a great subject to start this show. I mean to start this new, you know, this new show we're doing, man. Yeah. This is yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Just want to throw that in there. So one of the chapters of not just this period but really of American folklore, I guess of the last century that anybody listening should really look into if this is a subject you find interesting is uh do a Google search for Babylon working. Okay. And one of the things you're going to find is, you know, obviously, like we said before, a lot of these guys were, uh, you know, who came from Germany and who had their roots in NASA in its early days were occultists. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's pretty well documented that the Nazis yeah. in the occult, or had de- definitely, you know, dabbled in the occult. Or, well, at the very least, the upper echelon yeah, did. I mean, yeah. I think the average you know, Nazi soldiers were just regular... Just regular people, people. man. Yeah, um, got pulled in. And, yeah. you know, they say Hitler wasn't even part of it, that 
um, Hitler considered himself a traditionalist above all else, but there was an upper echelon within the Nazi party, uh, you know, sort of led, I guess, by uh, Heinrich Himmler, 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 who were very, very into the occult. Yes. And they say by all accounts, by people who were there, that Hitler sort of viewed these guys as, as dorks. Right, I guess. right. And, you know, he said, if I'm... Because, I mean, he thought politically, he thought realistically, he thought that if I'm going to, you know, win over the population, we're not going to be able to get rid of Christianity to reinstitute the worship of Wotan and right. Right. all this. But, no, it, it absolutely existed. There was, you know, this core group, the the Fool Society. Yes, I've heard. Yes, I've heard that name. Wasn't there a woman involved with that who had like extremely long hair? Who was um, apparently said her hair was the connection to the spiritual world. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, well, don't even sweat it, man. Yeah. I've just something I saw a while back, and I may even get my wires crossed. So we'll, we'll get back on the. I don't know <laughs> if I should tell you that sounds familiar or not, because I mean, we, you know, with with a lot of stuff on this subject, you see patterns all over the place, and I don't know if it related to that or not, but I vaguely know something of what you're talking gotcha. about. Cool. Yeah. So this period, um, or w- rather the topic you can Google, <laughs> Babylon working, is there was, uh, do, do either of you know much about uh, JPL or Jet Propulsion Laboratories? Yes. Okay. I, I do not. I'm not what do you know about its origin? Uh, nothing on the origin, but it is something that, you know, that, that's come up a lot that I've been seeing. Okay, well, the founder of Jet Propulsion Laboratories was a guy named Jack Parsons. And this was rooted in California uh, back in the immediate period after World War II. And, you know, Jack Parsons was a really brilliant guy. He was a rocket scientist, Mm -hmm. worked with rocket fuel. Um, Basically, like I said, one of the founders of NASA. He was also a very, you know, avowed occultist. He was a disciple of the English black magician Aleister Crowley. Oh, right. And Parsons essentially led the the movement that uh, Crowley was synonymous with, uh, Thelema. He was the uh, head of it for California okay. in America. And in a lot of ways, uh, there, there's people who will claim that Crowley viewed Parsons as his successor. Right, right. But, you know, the... <coughs> The verdict's sort of like, I mean, I can't even say it's a verdict because with a lot of that stuff, it's, it's skepticism. Right. And nobody knows exactly. But during this period, uh, Parsons ran a commune in California, like a, owned a mansion where it was marketed out to, uh, to artists, to occultists, to free thinkers, people who... Um, I can't say didn't fit in. That's that's not a good term to use. It's people uh, people who were eccentric, right? And maybe fell outside of that like Christian type exactly society, right? And right. people would just come there, hang out, crash, live for however long, right. and whatever, almost like a bohemian type of thing, right? So Parsons got the idea that he wanted to do a ritual called Babylon working, which was to invoke uh, a female. Antichrist figure. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, now, when we start talking about the occult, there's a number of like loaded uh, terms, and I don't even know how far to go back explaining it, talking about it. But um, 
do does the term like sex magic ring a bell? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, heard, yeah. What what do you, what do you know? Can you like explain it all? Uh, man, I tell you, I went down a Alistair Crowley uh, rabbit hole one night, and I know it was brought up a lot. And that basically it was just uh, like wasn't it like orgies, like you know uh, arranged orgies or or at least arranged sexual you know uh, situations. <clears throat> to and, an extent, and, yeah. A lot of what it links back to is a lot of occultism is based on the idea that and. I know I'm kind of dumbing this down a lot because when we when need you, that brother. when you read it, yeah, <laughs> when you read real. this stuff, people love to overcomplicate it. Right, right. But a large chunk of occultism stems from the idea that a person's life force is found in their bodily fluids. Right, and this is a really okay. old primitive belief that you know they would see when they would inseminate a woman life would emerge right or when you would bleed out you'd die you'd die or people would drink blood right to to absorb their life force i have heard that yeah right. and that's right. where you know virgin sacrifice right. comes from is that with out having sex a person's less wedded to this world yeah right and also you know if you buy into the idea that there's a veil that separates this reality from the unseen and all other dimensions that when bodily fluids are spilled, that's when <clears throat> the veil becomes the thinnest. I see. Because I see. either someone's passing through or, or coming. Coming back in, right. So you have a number of occultists who would believe in the idea that, um, well, one of the oldest ideas in with regard to ritual is that uh, the use of blood or sperm or menses blood is the way to unlock this stuff. Okay, right. It's like a key. Yeah. This is the key to the other side. Yeah. Right. That that spilling it is what can, uh, you know, unleash. Right. I, I guess make that veil right. thinner or, or thin. Right, right. Able to be able to be broken through. Right. Or the other. Right, got you. Exactly. So, sex magic is intended to be that mind frame or set right. of thought put in put into action through the use of orgies through the now you'll have a number of occultists who would talk about uh, virgin sacrifice and uh, apply it to masturbation they believe they could achieve the same results through uh, that uh, combined with either uh, drug trips or uh, meditation or altered states of consciousness right right yeah but there has to be an orgasm there has to be semen there has to be bodily fluid right spilled right. Gotcha. exactly gotcha. Gotcha. Right. exactly so Thunderpunch how many times have you used the key oh brother what uh. today <laughs> <laughs> How many worlds have you unlocked? <laughs> like I say today alone, brother, probably too many. I lost my key. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I'm always losing my key. <laughs> Damn it, agency. <laughs> so, back at this uh, point in time when uh, Parsons decided he was going to do a ritual that supposedly Crowley himself had never been able to do or complete that was called Babylon Working, where it would unleash a new, uh, or lead... Th- lead the world into a new eon or new age got you right and the way this this ritual was done was they was parsons and another man who acted as his his scribe or his witness went into the went into the desert in the southwest to you know try to <clears throat> unlock this or perform the ritual well this is where it gets really interesting the second guy who parsons took with him was a former member of naval intelligence 
okay. who had just come off some some projects with with mind control right. during the war, who was also a disciple of Crowley, who sort of landed there in California. Right. The scribe is uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Bullshit. Wow. The founder of Bullshit. Scientology. No, seriously. Are you never serious? Seriously. I never, never knew that. Never. Yeah. Wow. That that blows my mind. I had no idea. So it was Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard who did this ritual together. And uh, Damn. basically there was a woman who showed up back at the... Um, Back at the, the, the manor, or the mansion that they had, I'm, I can't even remember the name of what they called it off the top of my head, but it was a woman named Marjorie Cameron, and she ended up a uh, full-blown you know, uh, occultist and disciple. Right. And Parsons said she was his scarlet woman, or the woman who was going to be his magical partner, and he declared the ritual complete. Well, where it gets interesting is some of the things that happened in the immediate aftermath of Babylon working were Roswell, in the Southwest Desert. Right. Because, you know, a lot of this belief ties into the idea that what we call aliens, angels, demons, jinn, a number of things, are all the same thing. Right. They're all right. extraterrestrial. Right. Or not extraterrestrial, but extra-dimensional. Dimensional, right. yes, sir, I've heard. Right. right. And that they've been unlocked at various times by altered states of consciousness by the veil getting lifted, I guess. Which would yeah. actually, you know, the time lines up. Right. Wow. So I've never heard there's, of that. yeah, Jesus Christ. There's a number of things of that nature, but you know, in the aftermath of it, uh, Parsons ends up uh, dying in a lab explosion. Uh, you know, dealing with with rocket fuel. Uh, Hubbard goes on to start a, a sci-fi <laughs> seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, and to this day, is very. It was huge. I mean, Scientology is huge today, which well, and that, my mind. But. You know, Scientology <laughs> is like such a fascinating subject in its own right because one of the things that you find is how, you know, we talk about the roots of MKUltra being in naval intelligence. In World War II, Hubbard's service record in full has never been released. And there's the line of thinking, again, that it's because of projects he was involved in. Right. Yeah, man. Right. So this is sort of like a hypothetical sure. that you'll see come up, but the idea that let's say, you know, Hubbard was one of a, a group that were the architects of MKUltra. Right. Well, when he left and he formed Scientology, um, you know, Hubbard made enemies with the American government early on and he stayed their enemy for the rest of his life and now it's sort of naive in my opinion to think that it's because you know it's this good guy bad guy thing that you know when Dianetics was first written he presented it to the American Psychiatric Association and the AMA they rejected they called they said this is you know folk science this is pseudoscience this is a lunatic revision of Freud Hmm. and so on He ran afoul of the IRS, of the FBI, you know, the FBI and CIA a little bit later on. Um, what part of it was linked to in 19, in the mid-1960s, there was a raid on the Church of Scientology in Washington, D.C., and again in San Francisco, I believe, over them presenting the e-meter as a medical device right, that right, could be used right. in treating of illnesses. And... 
it moved further and further with um, allegations that had come up about illegal activities they had done to silence critics, but there was an internal church policy called Operation Snow White that was carried out by the, the group within Scientology called the Guardian's Office that was... The easiest way to explain it to anybody who doesn't know is the Guardian's Office was basically the intelligence wing of uh, the church for singling out critics, mm-hmm. finding out who they were and how you know to to stop any public criticism of gotcha. Hubbard and of Scientology both. Right. So the Guardian's Office was headed up by Hubbard's wife, Mary Sue Hubbard, and uh, several dozen other you know high-ranking Scientologists. Well, what Operation Snow White was was it's to this day, this is a trivia fact that you can bring up later, it's to this day the single largest infiltration of the American government in history. No shit. The, the AMA, the APA, the Department of Justice, the FBI, number of foreign embassies, uh, and several dozen other you know alphabet bodies were all infiltrated by the Church of Scientology for the purpose of finding internal memos, finding out who the, who the enemies were, so that they could deal with them. So you're telling me, Doc, that the fucking that the Church of Scientology actually has spies yeah. embedded in our government agencies. Well, they Holy did at one time at least. At right, one right, time, right, right, right. But they actually got to that point right. at least at one time. Well, and and Jesus see and see Christ, there's and man. see there's a difference when we talk about Scientology. There's the church the way it used to be <clears throat> and the way it is now. Like okay. the church the way it is now. I mean, <clears throat> you know, there's been a lot of things talked about. It's you know, power structure being a little bit abusive and all these, right. you know, tabloid rumors related to, you know, uh, the blackmailing John Travolta for yeah. being gay or, right. you know, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise using them to shop right. for women or things like that. Right. But it's kind of this quirky, rich person thing now. But right. when Hubbard was alive, it was a totally different animal. Right. Okay. I got you. So it has kind of had a, I guess for lack of a better term, somewhat of a reform, right. I, I guess. okay. Yeah, when Hubbard was alive, the church really had teeth to it. And it was right. just a group... You know, you know the way in the media Scientology is so uh, pounced on now oh, and yeah, talked man. about. Back, you know, twenty years ago, uh, journalists didn't even dare bring it up. No, you rarely heard about Scientology, man. Other than the Dianetics commercials, that's really the only time I ever heard of Scientology right. until you know, probably like the last fifteen years or so. So one of the things that <clears throat> gets alleged, though, and this is again like you know tying it back to the the skeptical nature of what exactly happened is if Hubbard was involved with this project, if he was an architect of MKUltra, um, could it be that the reason why the government targeted him, you know, from really 1945, 1950, all the way up to his death in the mid-80s, did it have more to do with the fact that he took you know their their shit right and, and right went into business for himself, for himself. Right. right man that they, it's not a good guy versus bad guy thing it's not like you know the american government being heroes and saying we're going to stop this abusive thing it's that you took our shit yeah that that shady as hell to begin and, with yeah man. you went into you know, business for yourself yeah in other words it's like bad guy versus bad guy exactly here. you know with with Basically, what I consider to be somewhat diabolical technology here, man. You're talking about mind control. I mean, well, Jesus Christ, man. I mean, yeah. well, I'm how much at, invasive can you get? Well, I'm know? looking at, at at his net worth <clears throat> at the time. Whose net worth? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard's. Yeah. $600 million. At that time. At that time. Now, and what year was this, Mike? This was it's the 80s. Si- in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, Jesus, man. Yeah, 86 was when he died. If uh, I believe it was 1980 that... Um, 
he was never able to be fully indicted for Snow White, and that his wife largely took the fall for it. The court case, the court case was the United States of America versus Mary Sue Hubbard, and there's you know been lawyers and people who were there who said that this was a top-down operation by you know the FBI that said we had a long-term goal of getting Hubbard, right. but you know they were never able to connect him on paper because you know it was purposely done that way. Um, all internal church documents made it look like Hubbard was never connected. Right, that he right. was just this, you know, ecclesiastical leader, I guess. Almost yeah. like a figurehead, I guess, to right. a certain yeah. degree. Right. So, uh, in 1980, in the aftermath of Snow White, he uh, was a fugitive and went into hiding, spent the rest of his life. And, you know, um, they said, you know, when he died, he ended up looking like Howard Hughes. It yeah. was just a long far gone thing and I mean right. that's kind of the church up to the status quo yeah. at this point I mean there's been a lot of minor stuff but really that was all the, the point it was is that the church now versus the church when Hubbard was alive are two totally different right, animals right 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 yep. it's almost it's almost a novelty now it seems like man it almost seems like in kind of a quote unquote whipping boy as well you know I mean right. you see a lot of negativity which what from what I've seen man I mean it doesn't sound like it is the best place to be you right. know I mean from what I can tell yeah. but, yeah, that's fascinating, man. I had no idea that L. Ron Hubbard. I had no I guess idea. He, that you know, kind of wound up you know, the same way as Crowley did. You know, kind of yeah. disheveled in the end, right. and you know, just a, a shell of what he was formerly. Right. Well, and there was, you know, both those guys. They kind of had to be hiding away, hidden away from sure. the public, because with with Hubbard, for example, when this image of you has been projected as being, you know, the most advanced, spiritually advanced, enlightened. You know, figure to ever live. Dementia, Alzheimer's, being drug-addled after years—that really doesn't speak well right. to yeah. what exactly. you're preaching. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly, man. Kind of goes against the whole the whole right. system. You know, I mean, really. Yeah. Man, that's that's fast. I had no idea that that Hubbard was that connected to Crowley. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? That just that's shit, man. I've learned a lot of shit today. I mean, that's yeah, all I'm sure. gonna say, man. For Jesus sure. Christ. Yeah. Damn it! It's only the first show, man. Yeah. So, with 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 regard to MK Ultra, you know, when it was first, um, when it was first rolled out, I guess in any way that the the public remembers in in a way that would ring a bell with people now, if you talk to them, you remember learning about the things in school where in movie theaters back in the fifties, how they would put split second yes, images. Popcorn or something, yeah. right? Well, that's sort of an idea that you see was that at some point this technology fell into the hands of corporations and industries, and it's used for programming. You're right. Nowadays, to kind yeah. of kind of implant that seed, that middle right. seed, right? And, and like MK a, Ultra's some, really everywhere. Now. Message, a subliminal message. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm looking, you know, because. Of course, you know you go to the YouTube, you see a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the videos. I'm seeing a lot of the videos with the MK Ultra attached to celebrities. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, is that something that's that's actually linked uh, to a celebrity, or is that just celebrities just being celebrities being celebrities <laughs> being dumb? Right. So, are you asking? You know, was Miley Cyrus programmed? Right. Or was she, or is she just an airhead? Is she? A, God, yeah. I hope it's programmed, man. I think that would just make me feel better. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> I'm seeing, you know, these videos of Shaq with a dumb look on his face, and I'm thinking, okay, that's Shaq with a dumb look on his face. Right. But they're presenting it as, you know, he's 
shutting under control. Down. Yeah. Under control, shut down, and yeah. Well, yeah, I think a lot of those videos start with the starting block that these people should be, you know, uh, that Shaq should be Carl Sagan. Right. Or something that he should be brilliant and net should never have pauses when being interviewed. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean. Or even the celebrity breakdown, you know, though. They'll present that as the, the MK Ultra. You know, something's something's wrong in the programming. Yeah, right? they they yeah. got a wire burned or out. They've or they've got, <laughs> or they have handlers, or right. you know, right. stuff like that. Uh, you know, Mike. I mean, would that kind of go back to what we were talking about, like Jay Z and Beyonce? Are, are you kind of talking about in that form, or are you talking yeah. about? Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, or are you, or would it be more like absolutely controlled? Like these people are. Oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely controlled. Controlled. Yeah, controlled. Completely. Well, there's a term that they use for for Disney <coughs> child celebs called sex kitten programming. Now, have you ever gone down the rabbit hole and read about this? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Programming is another loaded term we use because the immediate image that's going to pop to people's mind is somebody like a Clockwork Orange style, sure, strapped right, right, to right. A, strapped to a chair, being forced to watch images and programmed like in a lab. Right. But it's really can be something far more subtle than that. Like Disney is sort of like a, a big one you should look at when you're talking about sex kitten programming. Say you have these child stars, like whether it's Britney Spears, whether it's Miley Cyrus, uh, Selena Gomez, I mean, who, whoever, really. But say you have uh, a child who's coming up as a star within the, the Disney studio system. Well, they have ways of controlling their environment and controlling their perception where they can say, we're going to surround you with handlers right. 24 hours a day to where you're not going to have a normal childhood. Exactly. Um, you know, we'll use your um, internal uh, suppression of your uh, your urges or whatever in order to sell, the, to make this genre of art that's going to promote you as this, you know, chaste, very clean innocent innocent entertainment right but then when you turn 18 we're going to totally pull the reins off molly cyrus your ass yeah and let you go crazy and we reap the profits both ways and i mean if you think about that's exactly what happened with britney spears christina aguilera and molly cyrus they all have mental breakdowns around their you know mid-20s and they go straight sex pots man i mean look at britney and christina from back in the day man i mean jesus christ they went from like you know the clean angelics to straight up hose man i mean you know as right, far as right. being presented as such and molly cyrus as well shit man i never thought about it like that but damn yeah it makes i mean it you know i'm not saying if it's true or not i mean you know obviously we're just talking here and theorizing but god damn man that's what did happen i mean at least for those three examples right shit god damn doc you gonna have me all kinds of <laughs> <laughs> You got me watching out for the next one to, to crack the breakdown from the Disney Channel. Hell yeah, man! I'm gonna start monitoring right. this shit. But uh, but no, man, that's fascinating because I mean, that's as far as I can tell, that's basically. And you also hear about these child, you know, actors and actresses, you know, from the Disney Channel and other, you know, obviously not just Disney. Man, they have such terrible adulthoods. Man, they have, you know, drug addictions. They have, you know, these. Just all these terrible things that happened to him, man. Well, you know, I think. think. See, so, so yeah, I personally yeah. think. I, I mean, I subscribe to the belief that it's because, <clears throat> you know, if one of the greatest acts of child abuse a parent can commit is putting your child in show business. Oh, yeah. I fucking sure. agree with that. I man, mean, 100%. you're basically, yeah. you know, when you look at Drew Barrymore, Macaulay Culkin, it's basically children being thrown to the wolves. Yes, yeah. sir. And they have no idea 
how to handle that stuff, man. No, the, and the casting couch cu- culture, uh, one of, probably about the biggest secret in Hollywood is that it applies to children just like it applies to right, actresses. Right. Right. And that's been out for years, man. I mean, yeah. there, there's have documentaries. I mean, from the '90s on this stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's. Have you ever seen that meme? That uh, you know, this is this is deep water shit right here. But there's a meme uh, from sometime back in the 1980s, probably like 86, 87, and Steven Spielberg. And he's got a young Drew Barrymore have, sitting on one I, knee I've seen and that. Heather O'Rourke. And it I, says, ask Steven Spielberg what happened to Heather O'Rourke. I've, I've, I've seen that, yeah, man. I'm not going to go into it here, right, but right. that is, yeah. All right. That's like you just said, brother, that's deep in. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. We, we, that's why Jesus. we use pseudonyms. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um, Damn, man, that's... Well, yeah, let's get back on subject. Man. Yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I don't want to... <laughs> so, a question for uh, Agent C. Yes. Is when, you know, we talk about MK Ultra like this, what do you think are some of the prime objectives of why they would have a, a specific interest in controlling the mind of the population or at least dumbing people down? Okay. Uh, well, I think... First and foremost, it would be, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, I guess patriotic, uh, uh, assertion or uh, patriotic, um, man, I think it boils down to just power. Having power, well, definitely over the power, people, but you know? I think one of the number one things would be your, your, your belief and trust in government. Got you. You right, know, right. Uh, as far as what your government doing, what your government is doing, is right and right for you. Right, absolutely. I, like I said, I think it just boils down to power, man, and keeping people, you know, held back. You know, I mean, even though I do think our country, you know, I don't want to get too political here. I do think our country's pretty damn good as far as regular people being able to come up and and to achieve a certain amount of success. But I do think there's probably people that don't want people. To, regular people to get too high up right i mean keeping keeping people dumb or dumb enough to where smart enough to where you can do a make work job right um but dumb enough to where you're not going to be you know uh not so much in a power grab but where you're really clued into what's going on right exactly man you don't know i think we even talked about this last time he was down red you know it's one of those situations to where you can't pinpoint what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You just know that something is wrong. Yeah. You know, but like I said, it's just hard to pinpoint it, man, because in, in this country, we do have comforts and security. I mean, you know, I'll tell people sometimes, I'm like, you hear that? No, exactly. That's a bomb not dropping on your fucking house. Well, you, that's a good you, point. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and I look at it like that, but it doesn't mean that there isn't something wrong, and it also doesn't mean that... that, that that uh, that regular type people can still come up more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just because we do have the comforts, just because we do have the security, doesn't mean that it's 100 percent great. You, well, you, know, lot, you know what I mean? Yeah, to yeah. a lot oh, of people, for sure. You know, for to sure. a lot of people, you know, comforts are what we associate with America. It's you know, going back to our first hour. You know, we use the term liberty, equality, right. fraternity, like you know, the the French Revolution or the American Revolution. But nowadays, I mean, it's sort of more. Black Friday shopping, Kardashians, uh, McDonald's. Yeah, man. Right. It, you know, I was watching something just the other day, and or reading, I can't remember which one, but it was talking about communism versus capitalism back in the 80s with the, the, the Russian bloc, Soviet bloc, right. and America. Man, and this quote really hit me. Like I said, I just heard a couple of days ago. They said in the Soviet bloc, nothing went, but everything mattered. 
Right. Whereas in America, everything goes and nothing matters. Right. And I was like, damn, that's profound as hell, yeah. man, you know, to really think about like that. Just want to throw that little... That's deep. Yeah, man, yeah. I thought so as well. I was like, shit, man, that's that's a trip, you know. Well, here's here's a question that's that's tied into it. Um, but it's sort of it's sort of a lead-in question because it addresses a lot of other things uh, as far as this goes. <sighs> Do you believe in the idea that we are in a mass asbestos situation right now? What I mean by that is back in the day when you know asbestos was this miracle product, right? right? And we find out later that it causes super tumors. Right. Mesothelioma and okay. all that, that shit. Right. 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 It's terrible stuff, man. That we have a number of things now that, you know, whether it's preservatives in food, Amen. whether it's, you know, uh, household cleaners. Medications. Fact, medications. Uh, lingering radiation in the atmosphere. Uh, hell, the fact that you carry around an object in your pocket that gives out and receives signals all day. Right. right. You know, yeah, we've sort yeah. of forgotten the idea that living tissue isn't meant to be constantly bombarded with chemicals and electricity. Or, or radio or uh, microwaves that, right. that we get yeah. from our phones and our, well, our microwave ovens, of course. And sort of what I'm asking is, do you believe that in 20 or 30 years that it's going to be like asbestos but exponentially larger? It's going to come out that... They're going to go, okay, no wonder this generation had, you know, uh, such a substantial autism spike. Right. Or cancer. that people, that right. one in three right. people are catching cancer. Right, right, right. man. Um, I think so. I, I absolutely think so. I mean, um, obviously it's hard to answer that, you know, for, for sure. But, yeah, I think it's absolutely right. possible, man. In well, fact, how long did it take, I mean, for them to figure out the asbestos and even lead paint? Yeah, you know, that's was, another one. Was something that... Or lead gasoline, you know, that was something that, okay, this, this, this is, this is it's killing this us. This is killing it's, us. It's literally killing this, us. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's absolutely, and, and you know, Reverend, something you talked about, and I know, man, we're getting a little off subject, which I'm pretty sure is going to happen a lot on this oh, show. Yeah. When, when you're dealing with the agent, brother, that's, yeah. it's all linked. It is, man. It all does come together. Um, but, well, damn, man, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> It'll come back, man. It'll come back. Okay. <laughs> One thing I was sort of going to lead into is when there have been uh, nuclear incidences like Hiroshima, uh, like Chernobyl, one of the things that you see overlap is that the first generation of people who were exposed, you know, they have their own effects that are understood, but the children, the grandchildren... Right. Come out mutants. Come right. out retarded. Right, right. And when you're dealing with chemicals of this nature, it's like they they seep into the DNA and they never truly leave. And they and they stuck they stay there. And yeah. there's yeah. been there's been a lot of theoretical research that's gone on in recent years anyway, where it suggests that you can find that with not just radiation but a number of chemicals like for example uh experimental batches of acid that went around in the 60s right where when you look at a lot of these uh conditions that you know children being born with now like autism like uh the way the easiest way i can define it is conditions that they 
inhibit, or maybe inhibit's not the right word, but... Maybe affect? They affect uh, in that they almost preclude uh, reproduction. Got you. Right. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, right. right. Got like, you. they're developmental. Like, I mean, you could, you know, there's people who have, in on the theoretical side, have lumped uh, transgender children into it or, like, right, gender right. identity disorder. Right. Got you. Um, but, you know, learning disabilities like autism, such and such, where it's almost like when, um, say, a genetic line becomes damaged. Right. Well, it's not going to, because of a chemical seeping in, it's not going to immediately, like, you know, kill the the child or grandchild. But, like, let's say if uh, a parent who's exposed to these chemicals, by the time they have, you know, five grandchildren, it might be a dice throw. But Absolutely. one of, you know, the one or two of the five uh, might receive uh, a dam- the damaged DNA line. And right. it's sort of like the brain's protective mechanism saying okay but this line isn't meant to pass on we're gotcha. not gonna gonna do something like whether it's evolution activate, man. right it's evolution in action i guess I, I, yeah in other words it's like we we have something that's damaged it's something that's seeped in a foreign foreign body a foreign object or whatever right and so now we have to try and i'm just theorizing here man i have no fucking clue really what i'm talking about let me just put that out there <laughs> but i mean for real but but it sounds to me like it would be the evolutionary process like okay well we don't want this to keep spreading exactly so that that's how i'm looking at it. and you know I, I just remember what i was going to say earlier and kind of on subject maybe a slightly bit off subject but you said something on your facebook a while back reverend that i thought was fucking profound a lot of stuff you say i find profound <laughs> but this one was actually talking about antibiotics where yeah. you're like, people, because, man, it seems like every time you go to the freaking doctor, they just give you antibiotics, and people don't realize that biotics are essential to our body. That much I do know, man. We, right. There's bad biotics, there's good biotics, yeah. but right. these antibiotics kill everything. And you had said that people should watch and be more concerned with getting over-prescribed these antibiotics than even opiates itself. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, think, I think that everybody should care a whole lot less about... You know your local doctor over prescribing opioids because I mean that's only going to affect one person. You're correct, right? And right. they should care a whole hell of a lot more about their local doctor over prescribing antibiotics. To, to everyone, yeah, like because that's what's going to lead us into a dark age. Yeah, yeah. man. And, and you because know, that, once that's gone, it, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, I mean, once you kill them off, man, that's it. Yep. And I mean, I, I just wanted to bring that up because that's something I would even like to maybe talk about that even in further podcasts a lot more. Well, in depth, I can sort but. I can sort of briefly explain it. Um, you know. Back when I worked in the medical field, I would sit in break room with, uh, you know, all the doctors I worked with, and you'd sit and listen to these guys uh, talk about this topic the same way, uh, you know, Christian theologians might argue about the Immaculate Conception or the way... uh, New, uh, quantum physicists might argue about string theory. Like right, it's this right. unsolvable dilemma, and when the topic would arise, you could, you know, you could detect the fear in the room right. over how helpless they knew they were right. about it. And that's scary the, shit to me, man. Yeah, the easiest way to explain it to anybody is that when there's there's multiple different kinds of infections you can get, but the two big ones are bacterial and viral. Right. Now, there's no real treatment for uh, for viral infections except to treat the symptoms. You've got to let your body do its thing and fight right. them off. Sure, right. Um, 
Now, I mean, there have been meds that have come out in really recent years, uh, but basically all they do is boost the immune system. But uh, fighting off a virus is something your body has to do on its own. Exactly. Right. Now, a bacterial infection, on the other hand, that's what antibiotics are used for. Gotcha. And when penicillin first came out, you know it was uh, a miracle drug. Right, right. Well, because it kept getting overprescribed, you have a situation where, like with antibacterial hand soap, where it only kills 99.9% of germs, but that 0.1 is the harmful kind, not the protective surface bacteria, that is going to create superbugs over germ lifetimes and generations. Right, you know. So they used, you know, we reached the point where penicillin wasn't treating everything anymore. So they had to make amoxicillin. Amoxicillin, right. Mm-hmm. And then so on and so on. Right. You have people who just, you know, either a doctor overprescribes it or you'll have people who make demands. That's a whole other side topic that I could talk about forever, how, you know, one of the ways America is unique is we're one of the only nations that advertises prescription prescription yeah. medication on television. Yeah. And, and that's a fairly, yeah. fairly recent I mean, well, when I say fairly recent, I'm talking within the last 20 years or so. Right. It seems like it wasn't around in the 80s as much. It seems like I don't really remember seeing prescription ads to about the 90s. Right. When you, you, and, you, know. And, you know, when you think about it, it makes no logical sense no. why it should exist. Because if, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, they see what's wrong with you and they write. A prescription. And, and, yeah. and they tell you, they say, this is what's wrong with you. Right. You know, you did, there's no logical reason except for the fact that it's become a consumer industry. It's a consumer-based product now. You know, imagine right. uh, this stuff on television, and them saying, well, tell your doctor you think you need such and such. Right, right. So, but so anyway, back to my point, that was a total side <laughs> topic. But, you know, amoxicillin no longer treated everything, so they had to keep inventing. Well, the last class of that family that they had left was vancomycin. And, you know, we'd started to reach the point where that's not even killing anything anymore. And you're eventually going to arrive at the point, uh, whether it's 15 years, 20 years, however long in the future, where we're going to be in a medical dark age, where people are going to be dying from skin knees. Yeah, I I was going to say, you'll get a scrape in the woods or something, and man, that could be it. You know, I, I don't know if people realize how... For real, that is, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we're so spoiled with our modern medicine. Yeah, how much we've really fucked everything up by overdoing oh, antibiotics. Exactly, man. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you brought up the hand sanitizer, and, and that's a great point, too. I never use that shit, man. Unless, no, and you shouldn't. Exactly, because I've read on that as well. It's like, man, it's mm-hmm. killing all the good. Everybody hears bacteria and think automatically it's bad. Well, we got to. No, man. I mean, no, that, it's not. It's not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to kill just like the antibiotics. We don't want to kill the good biotics we have, but. Yeah, I just yeah. want to bring that up, man. That that was something, like I said, I wouldn't mind going into that a little deeper in another podcast at some point. Yeah. But I mean, it seems like we've, we've kind of drifted off from MKL. I think like, we talked about whole... everything but. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no. mean, this, this is a whole other <laughs> but topic. It is, but it's, it's all linked together. It, it, like I, mean, I said, it, it really does. I mean, right. you know, the whole point about when people talk about this environmental shit we have going on is a lot of people like to finger point just one thing they like to say okay this is vaccines right that have done it or this is chemtrails right. have done it right but you know i don't exclude the possibility 
that it's any of those. But I think it's way bigger than any of that. Yeah, I, I think it's scapegoat, like especially the vaccines. You know, you hear a lot about that. Now, I yeah. don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and say what I believe or what I don't believe. I mean, I personally would vaccinate my – if I did have kids, I would. I, I'll, I'll say oh, that yeah. much. You know, but I'm not, I'm not close-minded to the idea that maybe – it could have something to do with the autism. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I'll definitely say that personally, I would, and I would suggest people would vaccinate your children. But hey, man, I'm not going to sit here and say for sure one, one way or the other. But yeah, and one of the things you know, like I, I think it's a scapegoat. One of the things like yeah. I want to say it's an asbestos situation, or that's what I, you know, have a sincere conviction that that's what we're going to find, is that it's hard to say though whether this is, you know. Uh, high up people trying to dumb the population down or whether this is just the old fashioned thing of corporations either have no idea that it's like this or for you know profit margins they don't care they don't don't care there's an example uh, sorry to cut in over time but this ties in with it is do you know the story about the the bear company back in the 1980s uh you know, the prescription company, B-A-Y-E-R. The, like bear aspirin. Yeah. And right. No, huh, I'm not familiar. There was a product that they had uh, that was used to treat uh, childhood hemophilia. It was mm-hmm. an auto-injector. Right. Well, this was back around 1984, I believe, and they learned that a massive shipment they had was tainted with HIV. Rather. What? Yeah, rather than take it off the market, they offloaded it to the third world. What? Whoa, 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 man. Hold on one second, brother. Let me back up just How the fuck did a whole shipment of medication get affected with HIV? I well, mean, it, what the it was hema- It was hemophilia auto-injector based, so... Yeah. It could have been blood-born. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but Jesus Christ, yeah. and it got through the fucking cracks. I mean, that sounds conspiracy right. to me. Yeah. Right off the bat, man, that doesn't sound like something just fucking. Dude, I mean, if it doesn't we, sound like somebody if just we fucked start up. Watching AIDS conspiracy theory, <laughs> oh, that's man. a whole yeah. other world, yeah. brother. That'll be a series. Yeah. We'll do a series <laughs> on that. Yeah, but but okay, but, so that so they offload it to third world. Team. Yeah, to the third world, and you know, and that's the really really shitty part of me about it. I mean, above and beyond anything else, was that this was given to children. Children that well, you know, this was offloaded to Indonesia, yeah. the Philippines, to sub-Saharan Africa, South yeah. America. Jesus Christ, yeah. man! Yeah. See, shit like that makes me want to go burn down the Bear Corporation's yeah. headquarters, man. Just, yeah. I've never and heard it, that. And, and it was done just for the old-fashioned reason of you know profit, profit margin. Just get that fucking profit. And, and it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was around this time that that they had come out with the uh, the findings that you couldn't give bear aspirin to kids. I don't remember that. Holy shit, dude. I hadn't even yeah. made that connection. I, I, yeah. right. I think that does ring a bell with me, yeah. man. But damn. Y'all heard it here first on the good news, bro. Right. Damn, man. I mean, <laughs> you know what? I mean, fuck, we may as well launch into it. Uh, now, do you have any theories yourself about the origin of HIV and AIDS? Holy shit. Wow, that's definitely for another one. That's yeah, man, I was going to say, we're actually for starting another one. to yeah. get toward okay, the end. Okay, a quick we can, one. We can, we can be here all day. <laughs> a yeah, quick it's a one. teaser. Into the night and into tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And we got okay. we got another one to do tomorrow. So yeah. A quick one is, do you believe the idea about... I can remember when I was in medical training, and we had uh, this, really this one-day block. I mean, this was over about a six-month period for a class, but 
they devoted one day just to teaching us about HIV and AIDS and saying it's not exactly like what you've always been told. Uh-huh. It's not really sexually transmitted so much as it's a blood disease. Right, right. That right. can be sexually transmitted. Right. But because it's blood transmitted, it biologically tends to favor, you know, certain demographics more than others. Right. Um, Children being one, I would imagine, like with blood well, transfusion, stuff like that. Well, or? heroin users, sure, uh, okay. homosexuals, mm-hmm. where, um, well, I see male, male homosexuals. I got you. And okay. They said that biologically, because it's bloodborne rather than, you know, sexually transmitted. I mean, to use technical terms, um, it's kind of is a disease that does discriminate. Got you. Right. So, right. one of the things that they talked about because it was also pretty. Not to interrupt you, man, but it was also pretty widespread in the black communities as well. Right. Is that true? Okay. Well, I mean, this is a whole whole other point, but. You know, they say one of the biggest, um, what's the term, uh, for at-risk groups, right. that was the term I was looking for, is black women. Right. And they say, I mean, this is a whole other topic as to, like, the reasons why, but they say that it has something to do with the phenomenon of homosexuality in males being far less accepted in the black community than the white community. Right. So when you have... Uh, African American homosexuals. There's a cultural phenomenon, right? Where there's uh, you know a, a tendency to be secretive about it. Right. So, I got you. Right. Where where, where is so are you are to marry or use, have girlfriends. yeah the beard right right the got you yeah right just basically the beard to have the wife you know the right. as, as the show. But yeah, but behind but, the scenes, right? You're, you you had a totally different life. Got you. Yeah. I got right. you. So, one of the things that like I remember the instructor telling us, and he said, you know, this is something you should really read into because I can't talk more and more about it, but I can clue you in on something. To look maybe into. point you in the right direction. Yeah. Right. He said you should look into back in 1980, around the fall of 1980. Uh, there was. There were two clinics that were set up in two different locations. Uh, one of them was in the Castro neighborhood of San Francisco, and the other was in Midtown Manhattan. Right. And both of these were like just little makeshift clinics that were uh, promoting an experimental hepatitis B vaccination. Right. And their target group uh, was, it said it was uh, non-monogamous homosexual males. Right. And what's interesting is that within six months, the first cases Started of HIV up. popped up in those two neighborhoods. Yeah, right. And it just really spiraled out from there. Right. Well, everyone knows, man, it was from a monkey. Everybody knows that's where HIV came from, right? Yeah. Okay, anyway, yeah. man, yeah. Well, I tell you guys what, we are starting to get towards the end of our, our show here. Is there anything that we want to make sure we cover before uh, we uh, close this one down? Because, brother, this one's been... This is the first episode, and this son of a bitch has been white hot. I mean, Jesus, is, man. Is Kanye West under control? I think he's woke as fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Might be right. I don't know, man. He's one or the other, brother. All right, all right. He's either woke as yeah. fuck or he is straight up puppet, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can't uh, put my finger on it. <laughs> uh, Bill Hicks. I mean, Alex Jones. Yeah. All right, all right, okay. That's one of my yeah. favorite conspiracy theories yeah. right there. <laughs> 
Well, you know, Reverend Brother, um, you know, for a first show, I think that this is going to really set, what, the, uh, set the pace. That's a lot of fun. Um, you know, we'll be back next month. As of right now, we're going to go monthly. We'll see where that goes. Uh, you know, who knows, man? Sky's the limit right now. We'll start monthly and see how it, you know, takes off. But, man, this has been uh, something else, brother. You no know? doubt. Last time, then, you know, I actually did catch you on the podcast here a few, uh, <laughs> a few weeks back or a month or so ago. And, uh, man, I think this one's just going to just... Brother, I think it's going to blow it away. I really do, man. Absolutely. Well, like I said, uh, do you guys have anything we want to end with? Uh, Agent C, you got anything, brother? Any questions for the good Reverend while we got him here? Man, this is this is great, dude. And, and hopefully we'll be doing this on, uh, you know, we're looking at right now what? A monthly basis. A monthly uh, basis. right now. Yeah. yeah and kind of see where it goes. Make sure the uh, the producer doesn't get too overwhelmed because. Uh, I am all right. <laughs> I did hear I did hear a rumor, man, that the puds may be uh, branching off a little bit here and there. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe we even make a community. We we could, man. We can go from Pudville to Pud Nation. You right, know, right. dynasty, uh, right. dynasty, yeah. brother. Uh, but yeah, man. As of right now, we'll the be caliphate back. of Pud. Yeah, oh, yeah. damn it, man. But uh, yeah, I got to use a pseudonym because I don't want to get fired. Because <laughs> I know as this show progresses, man, we're gonna get controversial. There's subjects that I want to get into. Um, and there, you know, there's a lot of subject matter, brother, that a lot of people out there, you know, they get a little, uh, uneasy. Yes, sir. Right. To, to put it mildly, brother, to put it very mildly, but we're going to carry on. And, uh, man, this is just the first of, of several to come and, uh, Reverend brother, man, Jesus Christ. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go home and probably hit some YouTube. I know no, that absolutely. much. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that, that, I mean, that, you know, that's what we talked about on the first, uh, episode we did was, you know, don't swallow everything. Right. Say, uh, use as a lead into your own research. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That, Look golden. into it. You that's know? golden. Man. Don't take anybody's word for it. Find right. out for yourself. And, you know, I know on the first podcast and when we were all together, you know, I always put that out there. You know, I don't know. You know, Mike, I know, man, me or you neither one. We're not experts no. in this stuff. I mean, you know, the Reverend. A lot of this stuff you, I'm just learning about. Yeah, you know, me Just too. hearing about for the first time. I mean, I know the Reverend. I just know you spent a lot of years, brother, researching stuff. You have an education. I mean, that's one thing I always love. Doctorates. Doctorates, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you are a Reverend and you are a doctor. These yes. are these, This is not that's a right. nickname, man. All right. You no, know, not a nickname. This is legit. And one thing I've always loved, and I think we did talk about this on, on the podcast, you know, you always see people when they get into their debates or straight-up arguments on Facebook, you know, people say, well, go educate yourself. Right. You need an education. Who the hell is going to tell you that? Exactly. You know, I mean, really. It's True like, that. I mean, yep. so that's why I enjoy having you here, and, uh, and that's why I'm glad you're doing this show, because I think we need more of that, you know, edu- education. Non-biased, man, you're not a fucking liberal. You're not a fucking conservative, nope. man. You, you know you're a regular human being, man, who um, doesn't pick sides. You don't have a team in this. Right. You don't have a dog in this fight. And nope. uh, that's what it's all about. Well, guys, if you guys are good, I guess we'll go ahead and shut it down until next month. Just remember, the hells are not what they seem. Amen, brother. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, guys, shout out to Dale Cooper. There you go. <laughs> Dale Cooper in the house, brother. Oh, no, Dale Cooper. Dale, Dale oh, Cooper. I think you said Bill. Oh, Dale. Oh, Dale. Both yeah, of them. You know what? Yeah, both. both of them. Both. Yeah. We'll go ahead and put it for both. Absolutely. Man. All right. Well, guys, if y'all are done, then we'll go ahead and uh, call it a day. All right, see you guys next month.
This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with the FCC and other authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune in your area for news and official information. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.